0: How many's got pollen voice? I'm being honest. I look around the room in the first service and this service. Our attendance is lower than usual, and I believe it's twofold. One is because a lot of people felt like this today, and if I wasn't preaching, I'd probably be sleeping, just to be honest, okay? And the other reason is, how many know we got almost 30 ladies at a retreat right now? And what that means is we got almost 30 men at a house right now (laughs) trying to deal with their children, and, and I guarantee you, a bunch of those guys this morning woke up and thought, I got to change. I got to feed. I got I to gotta go back to bed is what I got. I'm done, <laughs> you know. If it wasn't for Auburn, where's my Aubie? Oh, daddy's girl. I know Adalie was on the screen, but you're my favorite child today <laughs> because she fed Mac and dressed Mac. And she fed all, all, um, what's the other one's name? Arden. <laughs> When you got five, you forget. You, she, she got ardent already. It was so good. But, uh, man, God's good. God's good. Amen. A couple things. We have been seeing abundance. Say abundance. Here at the church in the last six months. I feel like with this pollen voice, I feel like I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like a New York Jew or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, welcome to the house of God today. It's so good to have all of you. <laughs> All of you here? No, that's horrible. Everybody say, "Bad pastor." pastor. Yes, that's horrible. I'm gonna try to get through. Say, get through. through. I'm gonna try. And so, um. (laughs) (coughs) But we've been seeing the abundance of the Lord in our growth and our attendance and just the touch of God on people's lives. And and here's the thing about that: when God brings abundance, there needs to be a response from God's people. Amen. And so we've seen an abundance as a church. So with that, we're responding to the abundance of the Lord in two ways. Corporately, we're responding to the abundance of the Lord in that we're going to go to three services starting the Sunday after Easter. Come on, somebody. Amen? Now, the thing with that is... That there are Sundays, many Sundays, most Sundays, where we're 65% capacity in both services. It's full. Families come in, they can't find seats together, and so it's, and nobody wants to be in the spit zone. I get it. People walk in, they see the preacher with teeth like this, and they're like, I know that man will spit on me. And, and so they don't want to sit in this. I get that. Except you. I love you because you always sit in the spit zone, my buddy. And so, but so many don't want to sit in the spin zone. And so with that, we're creating a third opportunity that'll be on the Sunday after Easter. And so that's how we're responding corporately. How are we responding individually is this. We're asking you to serve one and go to one. Serve one and go to one. What do you, wave at me, wave at me right here. What do you, where, there you go. You see his vest? Do you know why he has that vest on? Because he's been serving at one. He was outside making you all feel welcome as you were coming in and keeping things protected. And then he's inside experiencing a service, you know. And so serving one, going to one. So we want to challenge you on each Sunday to find a place to serve and also a service to be in. And you may say, but Pastor Ross, that right there means I'll be at church like almost three hours every Sunday. Yes, it does mean that. It takes you about an hour and a half experience to kind of get that refresh of the week, to get filled up a little bit, to get your week started, amen? And then you'll have another hour, hour and 15 minutes where you're helping another person or a child or somebody else get filled up. So it's time for us. Church, go figure. It's not just a time for you. So it's a time for you to fill up and it's a time that you help. To help others fill up. And so I want to challenge you to begin praying. Where can I serve one and go to one each week? And with that, when all of us do that, guess what that means? It means we don't have to burn anybody out. Amen. We all can serve and take breaks when we need breaks and so on. But when it's a few trying to do it all, that's when you get burnt out. And God doesn't have a desire for that. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. So that will start the Sunday after Easter. Okay, And so what I want you to do this morning, we're getting back into our Beyond the Box series. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to get through, I pray, we're going to get through this today. Okay, (coughs) So, now, in the first service, I was coughing and wiping sweat at the same time. (laughs) And it was freaking people out. So, I'm praying to God, I can remember, this is my coughing towel, (coughs) and this is my sweat towel. So if I go to wipe my face with this one, everybody goes, ah, just like, ah, go like that, you know, just help stop me. So, coughing towel, Holy Ghost sweat towel, no, I'm teasing. In the first week of this series on the Holy Spirit, I told you as the church at large in America is underdeveloped when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. They're underdeveloped. Either they're way on this extreme and they're completely charismaniacs, okay, swinging from the chandeliers, jumping the pews, come on baby with the snake, I don't know, but they clean up over here, okay, or they're on the other side of the extreme to where they're clear over here and they're cessationists and they believe that the gifts have ceased in the church. They do not happen in the church any longer. We as a church here at Momentum, we believe that God still moves through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. (coughs) But we also as a church want to find that place of balance between extremes. We want to find that biblical place of order when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. And so I told you last week that we're underdeveloped when it comes to the things of the Spirit because people are underdependent when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. That, that they realize, you know what? I'm just going about life. I don't need to lean in on the Holy Spirit. I don't need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I don't depend on the speaking, leading, direction of the Holy Spirit. I am under <coughs> dependent on the things of the Spirit. So we talked about that last week. This week, I want to show you how we're underdeveloped because we're underinformed. Say underinformed. <coughs> When it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit, under, in form. I want you to stand to your feet as we honor God's word today. We're going to look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church began to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and they had a lot of issues They had a lot of problems, a lot of situations that that Paul needed to correct and fix. He doesn't come to them and take everything away. He comes and he puts order, and he informs them, and he shows them how to have proper balance when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And so it says this in chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be, everybody say uninformed, That word uninformed, other translations that say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, you know. And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, God wants us to understand the things of the Holy Spirit. Not to put them in a box and relegate them aside. You know, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we're just going to stuff them in the box. And we're going to close it up. No, no. He wants us to be informed. And so in the last few weeks, we've learned that when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us through salvation. Amen? He's with us because God is with us. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Holy Spirit is in us. Say, in us. in us. The Bible says He's with us. Is this comforter with us here? With Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it also says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I love this. And so we saw the word for Holy Spirit in the Greek as parakletos. It means a comforter or a helper, an advocate. And so now the Holy Spirit, if you will, is in us and with us, but he's upon us. I love it. And to be not uninformed, to understand that we need him in and we need him with, but we need the gifts of his Spirit upon us too. Why? So that we can say, look at us. No. Can you see the box? No. All you see is Jesus. All you see is the covering. All you see is the advocate. All you see is the comforter. And the Holy Spirit's job is always to point to, say, Jesus. Amen? And so we've been working really hard the last few weeks to be informed. (coughs) Well, now I want us to be informed when it comes not just to the Holy Spirit, but also to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It goes on, it says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led, therefore I want to speak to to you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. These are the gifts of the Spirit. And there's a variety of the gifts of the Spirit, but it's the same Lord. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Spirit that's bringing them forth. And so today we're going to become more informed so that we'll be less underdeveloped when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so let's just start in a word of prayer if we can do that. Father, right now, I need your help. (laughs) God, just physically, this pollen, this demon-foul spirit of pollen. Jesus, help me. Lord, I need your help. God, I ask that you'd open our heart, open our eyes, open our understanding, Lord, that we might be able to move into things of the Spirit in such a way that, Jesus, you would be seen. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. <coughs> so last week, we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and I said that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's God's character in the earth, being seen visible through his church. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit is so important because that's how God's character is seen in the earth. But God does not only want his character to be seen in the earth, God also wants his power to be seen in the earth. Amen? And so he brings these supernatural gifts of the Spirit to the body through the person of the Holy Spirit within us, and he brings those gifts so that his character And his power will be seen. Isn't that awesome? It's the idea that God says, I want people to know me in my fullness. And there's some people, it's all about power and very little character. But I'm moving signs and wonders and giftings and this and that, but I treat my wife poorly. No, 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 no. God wants to be known in his fullness of power. Everything, His character. God, let us as a church be a church where we're not afraid of the gifts of the Spirit, but let us be a place that embrace both your character, say character, and your power. Say power. Power. Say character and power. power. Amen. I want that for this house. So now this week, we're going to zone in a little bit more on the fullness of God's power being seen on the earth through the gifts of the Spirit. Now many of you guys, you know I ride a motorcycle, right? And so, man, I just love being on my bike, period. I just love it. And there's things, how many guys here ride bikes? Raise your hand, motorcycles. All right, there's a thing that we do, right, Richard? We're riding down the road, and I see a fellow biker, right? And we go like this. That's what you do? You do that? I'm a little more gregarious. He's cool. He's just, he's like all James Dean in it. He's just like, sit right there. But we say hi to each other. Bikers do that. Like I said, I'm more gregarious. I I i I'm, usually I have my foot up on my bar. I'm run handed anyhow. And when a guy, I'm just like, Yo, what's up? You know, I'm just like way big up high. Whoa, what it is? Party time! We're having a good time. You know, that's just me. And now here's the thing about it, right? When you see a guy on a bicycle, you don't do that. <laughs> you, just, you just don't. Now, a few weeks ago, I was going up a hill, and as I'm heading up this hill, there was a bicyclist, like an 18-speeder, you know, and and I see him, and I'm like, man, that's too much work. That's what I'm thinking. And so I see him going up the hill, and I just gun it around him, and I just take up off the hill, and I'm gone, you know. (coughs) And I'm thinking, stinks to be you is what I'm thinking. And I'm I'm gone. Well, just last week, I'm coming down a hill. It's the same hill I climbed up over and passed a guy on, but I'm coming down the back side of it, and there's a bicyclist coming up the other side, and he's just pedaling for all it's worth, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do a little greeting, and so I go like this to him, like that, and he looked up at me, and just like this, he's pedaling, he looks up at me, and he just looks at me like, you got to be kidding. I'm serious. <laughs> he looked at me, and he put his head back down, and he kept on pedaling. And um, I think if he would have waved at me, it would have been one of the one-finger waves. You know what I mean? Now, we both are bicyclists, in a sense. We're both on bikes, right? We both have two wheels, right? You know, when it comes down to it, we both have to work to balance ourselves, right? Right? But there's a difference. There's a difference. My bike has power. Amen? We're both on bikes. We're both on two-wheel vehicles. But let me say one more time, uh, in the house of the Lord, uh, my bike, uh, it has power. I said my bike, uh, it has power. Somebody say power. Power. (laughs) Power. Yeah. Yeah, that's a difference. It's a huge difference. My bike has a motor. My bike has a throttle. My bike has power on tap. Guess what? You're a Christ follower, and there's Christ followers equally going to heaven the same way you are, but they don't want to have power on tap. They don't desire gifts. They don't desire the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit in their life. I'm satisfied with just salvation. I'm satisfied with just this. And that's, I get that. I, under, I, I, I understand there's a responsibility that comes when I'm on that motorcycle that I don't have when I'm on a bicycle. I get that. There's a level of danger. There's a level I can mess things up. I get that. But man, there's something about And all I'm saying, when it comes to Christian giftings, when it comes to the giftings of the Holy Spirit, you can go through life satisfied and never move in the power of God, or you can say, God, I want all that you have. Amen? And so when it comes down to it, <coughs> these gifts, God doesn't want us to be ignorant of them or uninformed. And so let me throw up here on the screen charisma, charisma or charismata. When it comes to the idea of these supernatural gifts or these spiritual gifts, it's a Greek word, it's charisma or charismata, meaning uh, 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 plural, but when it comes down to it, charis means grace. These aren't things you earn. Amen. There is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so they grace, and then mata is gift or gifts, mata is the plural, it's gifts. So really it's almost like gift gifts, because how many know you can't earn grace, right? Grace is a gift, anyhow. So it's almost like gift squared, gift exponential, you know, and it's just God's stuff, and He's giving it to us to represent Him in the earth, to touch people's lives, amen? And so that's what we're seeing here, this idea of his grace, his His gifts in us. The thing about it, though, just like Jesus, can you earn salvation? No. But do you receive salvation? Yes. You submit your heart. You accept the work that Jesus has done for you on behalf of your sin. You confess your sin. You confess his righteousness. You confess he is Lord. And the Bible says that confession causes you to be saved. Believing to righteousness, you're confessing unto salvation, all right? It's the same way when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. You can't earn it, but God is a gentleman. He will never force this on you. When it comes to the moving of the gifts of the Spirit in your life, the same way. It is carous. It is grace-filled gifts, but you have to have a heart to receive those things, to be led by God, to be moving in the things of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so if that's the case... What is a spiritual gift? Let's put this on the screen. It is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others. An instantaneous enablement by the Holy Spirit. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's not that you have a natural tendency A natural ability. No, no, no. There's gifts in Scripture, in Romans, it talks, uh, theologians call it motivational gifts. They're the gifts that come out of your natural who you are, you know. You're a very servant-minded person, and so the motivational gifts would mean that you probably are lent towards serving. That's not talking, that's not the same thing. This could be that you have no inkling at all toward these things, but you're open to the movement of God, and in that moment, because of somebody's need, he manifests a gift of whatever it might be. And we're going to go all the way through all the gifts here in a moment. All right? The thing about it, it's for the exercise of the gift is for the edification of others. It's to bless others. The exercising of the gift is never to go, ooh, that person sure is spiritual. Ooh, man, that guy, he sure, he's like a prophet. You know what I mean? Who's seen in that? The man or Jesus? Let me say that again. Who is seen in that? The man or Jesus? The man. Jesus is supposed to be seen in the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, amen? <coughs> and you may say, you know what, Ross? I get that. I get that. Now, here's the thing about the things of the Holy Spirit, the things of these gifts. It's always for the good of others and for the glory of God. The gifts of the Spirit For the good of others, to the edification of others, or the building up of others, and for Jesus to be seen. For the glory of God. That's what the gifts are for. And as I say this, you may be like, you know, I don't know if I want the gifts of the Spirit. I don't think I need to embrace the gifts of the Spirit. (coughs) Let me say it this way. When you embrace the call of God on your life, as seen in the book of Acts, when you embrace the biblical mandate that is supposed to be on Jesus' church, when you embrace that, if you really do, you'll want to embrace the gifts of the Spirit, because there's no possible way we can embrace the mandate on the believer, the call of God on the believer, without the gifts of the Spirit. I- I'm weak and undone. Remember last week we talked about being under dependent on the Holy Spirit. God, I'm I have to be dependent on you. I can't do. I'm a goober. This is my first cousin. Wave your hand, my pretty first cousin, Erica. It's so good having you today. And she can attest to this. Nobody thought Ross would be able to do what I'm doing today, you know. I was a mess as a kid, you know. I'm serious. Messed up from the chest up, you know. I'm serious. It's only because of the dependency on the Holy Spirit, leaning on him. Only because of that. And so when you embrace the call of God that is described in this book, you'll want to embrace the gifts of the Spirit. So let's look and see what those are. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go to verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me stop there. The manifestation of the Spirit. These gifts are the Holy Spirit's gifts. The gift is the Holy Spirit. You get saved and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and with you. You seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and He comes upon you. But that's the Spirit. He's who you have, He's who you possess and who possesses you. You don't possess the gifts, you possess the gift. These are manifestations of the Spirit. So, Ross, what does that mean to me? It means this I have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has the gifts. So you'll never find me saying, I, "I move in the gift of prophecy. I have this gift. I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of knowledge. I have and so on and so on. I'm going to brag, I have the Holy Spirit." <coughs> and he has all the gifts. And the thing about it, they manifest when there is need. They manifest when you're dealing with a situation and God wants to touch that person and you're open to it and you're close to the heart to hear the voice of the Lord, they'll manifest. So if you're dealing with a person and they have a sickness in their body and they need healing to manifest, guess what? You're about ready to walk in. The gift of healing. is that cool? You're dealing with somebody, they're asking you advice on something and you just don't have the words to tell them. But you know what? Let's pray about that. Can we pray about that? You start to pray with him, and all of a sudden, your wisdom starts to pour into you that's not your own, and you can share that. Guess what you just walked in? The gift of wisdom, or the word of wisdom. Isn't that cool? Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit, and he has the gifts. So if somebody asks you, what gift do you have? You can say, by proxy, I have all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that with all my heart. Because I have the Holy Spirit. I have him. And he has his gifts. And if I can stay open to him when a gift needs to rise up to minister to a person, he'll bring that gift out. Now, naturally, you have inclinations to different ones. You know, I get that. I'm just saying, I don't want to put so much focus on getting a gift. I want us to have focus on him, the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and when I focus on allowing him to do his thing, he focuses on pointing to Jesus every time. You know what's so cool about this? Check this out. Last Sunday, I preached on the Holy Spirit, right? And I was talking a little bit about the difference between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the similarities and, and giving an example of how we can understand the Trinity. And, but the whole sermon really is on the Holy Spirit. I had a woman that's been coming to this church for a year and a half, come up after service. And she goes, Pastor Russ, I finally get it. I understand why I need Jesus. Now, check this out. I didn't preach on the salvation knowledge of Jesus last week. I didn't preach the gospel message of Jesus last week. I preached on the Holy Spirit last week. But this woman came forward and she goes, I finally get it. I need Jesus. I understand why I need Jesus. I'm ready to receive Jesus. And that woman got saved right here at the altar. Amen? But I didn't preach on Jesus. I preached on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And if he doesn't, then we're chasing something else. If the whole situation is not pointing to Jesus, we're chasing manifestations. How many grew up in a Pentecostal church where you chased manifestations and you had a whole church service and you, ooh, ooh yeah, church. But Jesus was lost. You know, you don't remember. You didn't put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on flesh. Put your eyes on a good time. You had a party with the Lord. But you didn't think about Jesus. You know? Lord, I don't want that to be momentum church I want us to understand that everything about the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and I was so thankful my sister last week that got saved as we allowed the Holy Spirit to point to Jesus you know, <coughs> excuse me it goes on down and here it gives a list of these gifts it says for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I don't believe when you read it that means You got this one and you got this one. No, it's just in those moments that he needs to manifest a gift, to apportion as he wills, when the Spirit discerns its time, he gives to this one the gift, and he gives to that one that gift, and he gives to this one that gift. Why? So we don't focus on the gift, we focus on the giver and the need that's being met and what God's doing in the moment. Amen? And so those are the lists that we see of the gifts of the Spirit. And here's the thing. If you say, but Ross, I... Don't want them. You know what? God won't force them on you. Listen, listen. If you don't want them, you won't get them. Right? Same way with salvation. Jesus isn't going to force himself on you. But if you have a heart to understand the gifts, I want you to keep listening, okay? And we're going to break these nine gifts into three categories. Basically, they can break down to three categories. Three gifts, three gifts, and three gifts. Gifts that see... Gifts that say and gifts that show or, or do, okay? I'm trying to keep with the S's. Gifts that see, say, and show. And so when it comes down, and we're going to go through these quickly. Now, here's the thing. In the last month, this series, we have used you version. How many have availed yourself of the notes? Raise your hand. You haven't. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of work for you not to use it. Now, check this out. <laughs> I don't like doing work for nothing, so you need to start using it. No, I'm kidding. You probably didn't even know. On the Momentum app, there's a Bible thing on there. You can go to that or you can go to U version and look up Momentum Church and live notes will be on there of today's sermon. Today we're gonna cover the next part so quick and so fast. You're gonna need to go back and get this, all right? And so what we're doing is we're providing you a tool that you can go back during the week and see more scripture and have more studies. that cool. And so it's there. And this whole series, if you want to go back and check things out, you can listen to the podcast, follow along again with those notes, and it'll be a real good resource and tool for you to continue with, okay? So this is the sweat rag. <coughs> this is the coffee rag. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. All right, so we're going to start with gifts that see something. Gifts that see something. Or knowledge gifts. So the first thing is this. The word of knowledge. Number one, the word of knowledge. It's the supernatural revelation of facts concerning people, places, or things. And it may pertain to the present or the past. Supernatural revelation of facts. It's just something. You're in prayer and it comes in your mind. Have you ever had that happen before? All right. Have you been obedient and told the person you felt that information, you told that person about that, And they confirmed it, and they said, yeah, no, I've been going through that. Thank you for sharing, you know. It's a neat thing when that happens. I can remember going to a lady in church, and first time at church. I'd never seen her before. I sat beside her, and I began to pray. And as I began to pray, God gave me a word of knowledge, and I started speaking very specifics about her past, okay. Some very specific things. She starts to weep, almost tremble under the power of God. The next day, she calls the office. She's upset with her friend she's thinking that her friend gave the pastor all this information and I'm explaining to her honey no no that's that's a gift of the spirit I'm praying for you God just dropped that in my heart and here's the neat thing if God reveals it God will heal it if you let him you know and so it was a way for her to see that God exists she wasn't a church person she doubted the reality of Jesus God was using that word of knowledge to help her see that God is a knowing God is that cool So she could see the character and power of God. In Acts chapter 9, we see the story of Saul getting knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus. God begins to do a work in his life. He ends up blind from the experience. Well, there was another man by the name of Ananias. And God spoke to Ananias to go to the street called Straight. And if there would be a house, the house of Judas, and to look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And so Ananias responded to that word of knowledge, showed up, and sure enough, there's Saul. He prays for Saul. Saul receives the Holy Spirit and begins to go out and preach. And Saul becomes Paul and changes the known world with the gospel message. Amen? Aren't you glad Ananias followed the word of knowledge? Yes. Yes. So that's just one example. The second gift we see in the seeing gifts is the discernment of spirits. The discernment of spirits. This is the supernatural insight into the realm of the spiritual. The supernatural insight into the realm of the spiritual. It doesn't say the discerning of spirit. It says the discerning of spirits. Why? Because there's three categories of spirit in the earth. Okay? Number one, there is the spirit of God. Amen. That's awesome. God's spirit moves and there's the spirit of God. Number two, there's angelic spirit. All right? There's angelic spirit. Presence. There's the angelic. Now, here's the thing about that. That can be either demonic, which is evil, or angelic, which is holy, but demons are just fallen angels, right? So, there are situations where God will give you a quickening. This is a demonic attack, this is something supernatural, and you're discerning that spirit. Second or third category is the spirit of man. The spirit of man can be good as he is influenced and led by the things of God or it can be evil as he's being influenced and led by the things of the enemy. (coughs) Does that make sense? Some of you would have less ex-wives if you would have moved in the discernment of spirits. I'm teasing. No, truth of the matter, though. Truth of the (laughs) matter. Truth of the matter. When it comes to the discernment of spirits, it's a great gift to have as a businessman. If you're a businessman, pray, God, give me the discernment of spirits. I want to know, is this person I'm partnering with, do they have a slant toward righteousness? You know, are they evil at the core? Is there deceit there? I want to discern the spirit of the person I'm coming into business with. Just give me an example, you know. God may give you a discernment of spirits when it comes to the spirit of your Bo, you know, you're dating somebody and God drops in your heart the understanding that this person is not right for you. That there's something going on there that just isn't holy, if you will. And God might give you that discernment of spirit for that. So that's just the supernatural insight into the realm of the spiritual. (coughs) The third thing is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. Actually, under discernment of Spirits, I put 1 John 4, 1 through 6 in there. It just talks about testing the spirits, judging those things that are spiritual. We need to not just take things for face value, but we need to judge the spiritual. The third thing is the word of wisdom. That's insight into the true nature of things. The insight into the true nature of things. Now, that's not to be confused with knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of information, right? So wisdom is really the insight into how things work work and go I'll give you an example as a young man in ministry I would counsel married couples I'd only been married a short period before they would come in I would pray God give me wisdom and they would come in and we would start to talk and amazing points of wisdom would come out of me amazing remarkable wisdom would come out of me and I knew it wasn't me and I would even tell them, I would say, guys, listen, what I'm going to share with you, it's not for me. This is, this is what I believe God is showing us. And when they would leave, I would write notes down because it was like, that was good truth. I'm going to use that again someday, you know. <coughs> it was wisdom that I didn't receive through a collection of information. It was on the spot in the nature of things, how to help a person deal with something, handle something. Does that make sense? You've done that before, you know. There's been times that that's happened before. Now, let me say with these seeing gifts, the way you work these in operation. Let's use a word of knowledge, for instance. The Lord drops something in your heart while you're praying for somebody. You just say to him, Oscar, you know, I was praying for you a couple days ago. And just the word discouragement could come to me. I don't know why, but the word discouragement. I mean, that may mean something to you. It may not. You know, does that mean something to you? And you may be like, you know what? Yeah, actually, I've been kind of down lately. Well, I, I just think we need to pray about it. You know, I started praying for you a couple of days ago when the Lord laid it on my heart, so let's just pray. And you pray about it. It doesn't have to be, Oscar, I've got a word from the Lord for you, my brother. <laughs> yea, thus saith the Lord thy God, a spirit of a discouragement is upon you. doesn't have, to, I mean, and I know some of that's just stylistic. Some of that is cultural, different cultures, different backgrounds. That's not our culture, okay? That's, that's becoming more of a character that's within the church. It's not the culture at large. And so I, I just would encourage you as momentum. If the Lord's giving you something, just do it that way. Oscar, I just feel like God was showing me this. May that bears witness. Can we pray about it? And then pray, you know? Does that make sense? All right? But don't be afraid. But what if I'm wrong? I know, but what if you're right? You might be wrong. Oscar might go, no, I'm not feeling that. All right, well, let's pray anyhow, you know? But over time, you start to hear and learn the moving of the Spirit. You'll start to realize what's you and what's God, you know? It's really, neat. and so, (coughs) so that's that's that. With the word of wisdom, um, a good example was Joseph in the Old Testament where he was given great wisdom and administration for the nation of Egypt. And with that, God placed him in a place of honor that really, really, in time, was writing the, the plan of God for, for the Israelites. Even the whole idea of bondage, I know as horrible as that sounds, all that process, God placed Joseph for a season to be there. So that's gifts that show, that, that see something. The second thing is gifts that say something, gifts that say something. And so that's prophecies, the first one. Supernaturally inspired utterance in a known language. And so this is something that God places in you that that is his word from the Lord, a timely word. And when it comes to New Testament prophecy, it is not normally foretelling. It's not saying, you know what, here in three days this is going to happen. It's not. Normally it's foretelling. It's a thus saith the Lord God moment. Like God's saying this right now. And man, I feel God's telling me to tell you this right now. It's a right now word. Does it make sense? And there's times even when I'm preaching where I'll feel a prophetic edge come up. And I'll speak that right now word. And you'll see us get kind of surprised by it. You'll see me get surprised by it. It's like, oh God, this is good. <coughs> I don't even know. <laughs> All right. So then when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, it's for the edification of people. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. It's to edify or build up. It's to encourage and it's to console. Prophecy isn't to tear down, attack. Do you see what I'm saying? There's been people that have used prophecy two ways it's been wrong. To rip people apart. God is telling you this. And just rip them to shreds. That's one way it's wrong. Or here's this future blessing. Get so excited about me speaking blessing that you give to my ministry. That's wrong. Amen? It's not what prophecy is for. It's to build you up. It's to encourage you. It's to console you. That's what the prophetic edge, the prophetic word of the Lord is for. Number two gift that says something is tongues. Tongues. The supernatural utterance in a language unknown or unlearned to the speaker. Now watch what it says here. 1 Corinthians 14. We just said this. It starts off with pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Why does it say pursue love? I'm going to tell you why. (coughs) 1 Corinthians 12 gives us all these gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love never fails. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can speak with tongues like an angel, but if you don't have love, it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You can prophesy, but if you don't have love, and it goes all through, and it says that love never fails. And in that scripture, The cessationists will look at that and say, see, everything's passed away, but we have love. Well, then why is it that the very next chapter, Paul says, love, but desire gifts also. I'll tell you why. Because the gifts can be something that can bring jealousy, if we're not careful. Well, I don't have that gift, and they do. The gifts are something, because we don't understand tongues, that it can divide a church. Let me tell you this. We will not be a church divided because of tongues. Amen? There are people in key leadership in the church that have not yet manifested this gift of tongues yet. And they're in key leadership of the church. Praise God. Okay? And there's people in key leadership of the church that speak in tongues every day, you know. Praise God. But we're not going to let it divide us. Cool? But it's in here, so we're going to preach it. Come on. So we pursue love, and we earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy. When it talks about tongues here in the second verse, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to man but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And So tongues are important. Why do we have tongues? Three purposes of tongues. Number one, tongues is a sign, a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so last week we saw in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19, people received the baptism when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And in Acts 2, we saw people speak in tongues. In Acts 10, we saw Peter preaching in the house of Cornelius, and they start to speak in tongues. They haven't even been baptized in water yet. The Jews are looking at it, and they're saying, well, wait a second. How can these people be doing this? They're Gentiles, you know. You know what's amazing? Right now, Gentiles, Jewish people right now will say, is it okay for me to even be a Christian? There was a time when Jews were saying, is it even okay for Gentiles to be a Christian? It was the exact opposite. All the early church were Jews, you know? And so when we see this here, it's that idea (coughs) that the Holy Spirit came upon those and they began to speak in tongues. And then in Acts 19, we see it as well as a symbol of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was with the disciples at Ephesus. We'll go on from there. Number two reason for tongues is the message in tongues. How many was raised in a church where you would have that happen, a message in tongues? Not many. First service, we had a few. Basically, Jennifer would maybe during worship, just using you, Jennifer during worship, things would get a little quiet, and all of a sudden, she would just begin to speak in tongues loudly. Everything would quiet down, and she would give a message in tongues. Okay? Okay. Now, hold on, let's look at what Scripture says about that, all right? 1 Corinthians 14, 4 and 5. The one who speaks in the tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. What builds up? Prophecy builds up. So an interpretation of tongues is equal to Prophecy, prophecy. So here at the church, I would say at Momentum, more often, somebody will come up and say, hey, I've got something I feel like the Lord wants to share. (coughs) And over so often, we'll give them a mic and they'll share. It's more of a prophetic word than the message in tongues followed by the interpretation of tongues. Together, those equal prophecy. In verse 13, Paul says, and here's what's so cool about this. 12, he shows the gifts. 13, he says, stay in love. 14, he says, here's how to administer the gifts in a corporate setting. It gives us a little bit of order for using the gifts. And in verse 13, he says this. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. <coughs> so we can see that message in tongues is a powerful thing. It needs to be interpreted. Third purpose for tongues, and this is probably where I use tongues the most, is in personal prayer language. A personal prayer language. We already said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 15, I pray in the Spirit and I pray with understanding. I sing in the Spirit and I sing with understanding. Here's the thing to realize about that. Pray in the Spirit. But once you get understanding, pray in English. Let your mind be fruitful. There's Pentecostals who are lazy, 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 lazy Pentecostals, that all they do is pray in tongues. And they excuse it because I'm tapping in. I'm just praying in tongues. No. Pray in tongues, get understanding, and pray in English. God wants to engage your spirit and your mind. Come on, somebody. Sing in the spirit, sing with understanding. Now, I'll tell you this. I have prayed in tongues almost every day of my life since I was 13 years old. You guys don't hear me do that. There was a six-month period where I was backslidden, I didn't pray anyhow, you know? And so I didn't pray in tongues. And literally as a pastor of this church, there was a three-month period where I was mad at God, and I would not pray in the spirit, and I would not pray in English, because I was mad at God. And I literally would look at God and say, "I'm not talking to you. How many's ever been there before?" OK. <laughs> now if you don't want to be a part of a church where the pastor is honest, this ain't the place for you, okay? But I'm being honest. This was a few years ago. It's probably been nine years ago, eight, nine years ago. But I did. I went through a three-month period where I, I ain't talking to you, tongues or English. We're not talking, you know. That's hard to pastor when you're not talking to God. I'm serious. It was a tough few months. God got me through. Praise the Lord. But here's the thing you have to understand. Tongues is more about connection than communication. In in <coughs> Jude chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, just to kind of speed this up a little bit, It talks there that we build ourselves up praying in the Holy Spirit. There's something that builds us, that edifies us when we pray in tongues. USA Today did a report back in 2007, and they had done a study. A neurological surgeon had done a study where they put brain waves. They they checked the the blood flow in the brain when people did spiritual activity. And they had them sing songs of worship They had them meditate on God's Word and speak the Word and think the Word. (laughs) But then they also had them speak in tongues, different ones that could do that. And they studied the brain. What was so neat, when they studied the brain, the brain flow that takes place that shows an exertion of work was absent when people were speaking in tongues. When they were worshiping in their own understanding, and they were praying in their own understanding, the blood flow that shows work by the individual was present. Isn't this cool? But when they begin to speak in tongues, obviously the person's doing it, but there is a partnership that happens with the spirit. They can't see that on the test. All they could say was, the blood flow that shows work taking place, is gone. it's not there. That doesn't mean you're mindless. What that means is you're open. Check this out, Okay. It's not about communication. It's about connection. And you get to a place of openness where you can hear the voice of the Lord. I believe, that's why Paul says, pray with the spirit, pray with understanding. You're going to get to a place where you want, I know what I need to pray now. Be honest, anybody here that speaks in tongues, you've done that before. Anybody? All right, all right, a few people. There's times where I'm up here praying for y'all, and I'll turn my head, and you don't know it, but I'm praying in tongues, just quietly to myself. And I'll get a word of knowledge and I'll turn and to praying, that that word of knowledge or that word of wisdom. Isn't that cool? There's just an openness that comes when I I just, and here's the thing, I'm going to be honest with you. I am as ADD and as wiry as they come. The power of the Holy Spirit helps settle me. It does. The praying in tongues is your pastor's Adderall. I'm just being honest. It settles my mind. It opens me to understanding. So it's a powerful, beautiful, wonderful thing. But it's more about connection than communication. Right? Does that make sense? The third thing when it comes to the idea of saying gifts is the interpretation of tongues. That's the supernatural showing forth of the meaning of an utterance. I'm not going to go through that passage of Scripture. You can look at it in the notes just to save a little bit of time today. But when it comes to a message in tongues in a public setting, there needs to be an interpretation to follow. If not, it just leads to confusion. So the interpretation equals what? Prophecy. What did Paul say? I'd rather you prophesy anyhow. So as a church, you're probably going to see the word, of, not, word of, of prophecy come forth here more than you're going to see a message in tongues and an interpretation, you know. But we want the living word of God present, amen? And I believe we'll see that and see that more as we continue as a church. All right, the final thing, and we're going to close with this, <coughs> gifts that show something or do something. Number one, the gift of faith. It's a supernatural, unwavering trust in God that enables the possessor to believe God for a miracle. Peter and John walking, and they see the man at the gate beautiful and he's crippled. What, you know, he's begging for money, and we don't have money, but what we have, we give to you, rise up and walk. God gave them a gift of faith to believe in that moment for healing. And then it followed with a gift of healing. A lot of times faith will follow the miracle of healing. Okay? This isn't faith you muster. This isn't you going, I believe. (coughs) This is faith that God imparts. It's a supernatural gift of faith where it's just unshakable, unwavering. You know that you know that you know. Amen? Second thing in the gifts that do or the gifts that show God's power is healings. Supernatural healing of sickness and disease. Wish pollen would be healed in me right now. I'm feeling that need. (coughs) But you can see God's healing miracles that take place. Number three, miraculous powers. Supernatural intervention whereby natural laws are suspended, altered, or controlled. Paul couldn't minister to as many people as he desired. He's working. He takes his apron. They take pieces of his apron, and they hand it to the disciples. They go out to minister, or to the followers. They go out to minister on behalf of him. And somehow, miraculously, that tangible cloth allowed that power of God to go and touch people. I don't get that, you know, but that happened. There's other stories where God just completely changed just nature and things so that people would believe in the things of God, amen? One of my favorite stories is of Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas, but they say after he came to faith in Christ or after he began to preach, they're in that north um, eastern coast of Africa. The people there didn't worship the sun, And they didn't worship the water. They worshiped the little glitter of light that came through the water. When they would throw the water up, that little glitter of light, they worshiped that. And they say when Thomas came there to minister, he would throw the water up and say, In the name of Jesus, be still. And that water would hang in the air and drop. Now, this is tradition. Can I prove that? No. But that's the testimony of those tribes that came to faith in Christ. Those Coptic Christians. They said that that he wasn't doubting Thomas. He was a man full of faith. And he would throw the water up and it would would suspend in the air for a moment. And it showed the control of his Jesus over their God. And they came to faith in Christ. So that would be a working of a miracle. And so here's the thing as we close. We need to ask God to be used by him and to allow his character and power to be seen in the world. To be seen beyond the box. When you came in, you were given a box. Everybody pull out your box. the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples concerning the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is the last thing that I want us to focus on when it comes to this series on the Holy Spirit it's this that when the Holy Spirit comes everybody say upon Upon. comes upon you you will be, say this, my witness you'll be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you Jesus will be seen. That's really the key, that Jesus is seen. So may the gifts be something that enable you to move in the power of God so that you can see, say, and show something that would touch others, and in doing so, that Jesus would be more clearly seen and more clearly known. Jesus still does miracles, he just does them through his body. That's why we can't keep that stuff in a box. we got to live beyond the box and be open to what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Everybody say beyond the box. Jesus still does miracles. He just does them through those who believe. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, signs and wonders follow those who believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, come on. That it's possible for signs and wonders to follow you. Isn't that cool? Follows those who believe. But, but, but Ross, I'm not perfect. I know, I understand. But Ross, I've only been saved for a little while. I haven't been saved that long. I get that. But, but Ross, I don't understand everything about the moving in the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't say you have to. It says signs and wonders follow those who believe. So let's stand to our feet. I want to ask you this. I want to ask you to repeat this after me. Say, I believe in Jesus, so it is possible for signs and wonders to follow me. Let's say that again. I believe in Jesus, so it is possible for signs and wonders to follow me. Say this, I believe in Jesus, so it is probable for signs and wonders to follow me. Say this, I believe in Jesus. (laughs) So it is highly likely. Come on. So it is highly likely. So it is highly likely for signs and wonders to follow me. Amen? Give God praise in this house. Come on. That's what it's about. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the gifts of the Spirit. It's not about the gifts of Brother Joe Bob and Sister Sue Ellen. It's about the gifts of the Spirit. They're His gifts. And he will make Jesus known if we'll just open the box. Don't open the box yet. Hold on to it. But if we'll live with expectancy, that's our desire, that Jesus would be seen in us. But the Holy Spirit, He's all about God showing up in a visible way, showing up beyond the box, showing up, from the inside out. Listen, God is doing something on the inside of you. And you need to be open to it. You need to open yourself up and allow God to move in and through you so that others will be seen. Others will see Jesus in you. I want you to hold this box. We're going to sing this song and I'll come back here in a moment. (coughs) Think about the things in your life that keep you from opening up the box. Think about the things in life that that cause you to close off things of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's submit those to the Lord right now. Alright? Whatever that might be, let's worship the Lord. If you would, let's open the box together. When you reach in, what you're going to find is a symbol of the presence of Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. When we open our lives to the move of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus will be seen. Amen? When we live beyond the box, Jesus will be known. When we allow God to move through us with the gifts of the Spirit, it's the miraculous power of Jesus that people will experience. Amen? Amen? Put your box down for a second. If you would, open the top. We want to close this series out being reminded that it's all about Jesus. Jesus, we take this piece of bread right now. It's a symbol of your presence. And as we partake, for we honor you, Jesus, what you have done in our lives to set us free and that now in this earth, we're the only body you have in this earth that you will use and move in and through to set others free we take our responsibility to partner in the work of redemption to partner in your miraculous work in this world to live beyond the box so that you might be seen in Jesus name go ahead and take the bread Jesus this juice represents your blood there's no greater symbol of power in the world there is power in your blood to redeem to save set free there's power in your blood because of the stripes born on your back to bring healing Lord God your power brings deliverance Jesus as we take this today we thank you for who you are in our lives now Lord (coughs) we ask that you would let us partner with you to be ministering vessels that represent your fruit and your power in the earth. That Lord, your victory, that we get to partake in, that you'll use us to bring that victory to others. We want you to be seen in our lives, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Go ahead and take. The next thing I want you to do is take your box and open it up. You may end up tearing it when you open, that's okay. But Open this box up. We're going to sing a little bit more of this song before we dismiss. we will come back up and dismiss this. I know today has been a lot longer than normal. But take the box and allow this box to be a reminder to live beyond the box, to live open to God that He can have His work in you and His work through you. And if you need to, what in your life is it? As we worship a little more, maybe there's something in your life that keeps you from living open. Maybe there's something to hold you back from allowing God to move in and through you. If there is something on your own time this week, write it on the box. You can even write it inside if you want. But put this box in your car or on your refrigerator or in your bathroom mirror. Someplace to remind you for the next few weeks, month or so. But you need to live open to God. God, have your way in me and have your way through me. That we might live beyond the box that you might be seen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.